And joining us now, he is the CEO of the National Agricultural Aviation Association. Andrew Moore is with us. Andrew, thanks for taking the time to join us today. How are you? I'm just living the dream. Thank you for having me, Jesse. Appreciate well, it. I appreciate you joining us as well. Thanks for uh, making time here to uh, be with us today. And, uh, you know, just thinking about the uh, ag aviation industry, I mean, you know, over 100 years old now, uh, this is just a, a century old practice that, you know, we see a lot. You think about, you know, getting out and spraying our fields and our crops during the summer. Um, we see those planes flying around. But, you know, thinking back 100 years old now plus, a lot of technological innovation has happened, I'm sure, in the ag aviation industry as we've gone over the years, Andrew. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we started with biplanes that were used in World War I uh, that held maybe 150 gallons that were piston engines. Um, you had human flaggers that were lining up the next swath. Now you have... 800 gallon aircraft on turbine with turbine engines that are flying 30% to 40% faster, much greater capacity, GPS systems, uh, GIS systems, onboard meteorological measurement systems to make sure that application is targeted, much more efficient, uh, going to where it's supposed to go and nowhere else. And uh, just our, our size has is, is increased markedly in terms of acres treated. Sure, sure. I, I can't imagine just all the technology that has come into agriculture broadly here the last even five to 10 years. And then you mentioned some of the things there on the aviation side. And, you know, I think about this as well, and I'm sure farmers, you know, they know this firsthand when, when you have really wet conditions. We, we saw mm. some of that here earlier this year. Or you have some of those fields that you know, maybe it's it's a little hard to get into at times. The terrain might be a little bit rough, or exactly. or maybe you're spraying something else. So, you know, that's that's when aerial application really comes in hand. That's right, um, and you know, don't forget the speed. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're able to treat four to five times uh, the amount of land uh, than any other form of application, and when you're looking at pest pressure, whether it's an uh, insect, whether it's a fungus, whether it's a weed, um, you know, the faster you get to it, the better the yield harvest will be for that, for that farmer. And the other thing, and when you're dealing with weed resistance now with a lot of the herbicides, um, you have to get to that weed when it's at a certain size. Once it grows to a certain um, length or maturity, it's much more difficult to eradicate. It might be seeding and spreading. So aerial application can get to that crop disease, whatever it is, uh, much faster than, and, and, it, and, it, and at that pest's more vulnerable point uh, to eradicate it. Well, Andrew, you mentioned as well, more targeted when it comes to spraying and aerial application. You know, we hear some of the stories about different pesticide drift, that camber drift, et cetera. Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about just some of the things that uh, the ag aviation uh, industry is, is doing to continue to improve uh, how focused and targeted some of that spraying is to maybe minimize some drift? Absolutely. Uh, well, a lot of it, there, there's just many different technologies and techniques um, 
you know, first of all, 100% of our industry is GPS now. So, you know, you're able to get within inch, inches of accuracy, uh, eliminate overspray using the GPS system. Um, the other thing that we're seeing as well is people using either smokers or a, and I'll get, I'll explain that a little bit more, but, and also what's known as an onboard meteorological measurement system. So you can tie this meteorological measurement system that, that falls right under the wing of the aircraft and it's reading wind speed, direction, uh, barometric pressure, humidity, three times a second. And it can feed that information directly into the GPS system. And then it, it can line up the, uh, the aircraft based on wind direction. So it can steer you further away, say, from an edge of a field. Um, if the wind is blowing towards another field, it can lead you, that, that onboard measurement system can lead you further into the field so that the applied material will just dress the edges and not move over outside mm -hmm. of that field. Um, the other thing we're seeing as well is just setup. We've learned a tremendous amount from setup. Back in the, you know, 30 years ago or, or longer, you might have the boom system of the aircraft uh, go all the way across to the one, one end of the wing to the other. And the boom system would be really tucked in very close to the underside of the wing. Um, what happens then is two things. One, just the aerodynamics of flying, there's kind of a, a, a wing edge vortices that kicks up. So mm -hmm. it can, it can take the applied material and kind of, creative vortices are like a little tornado and it kicks up the material instead of pushing it down into the crop canopy. Now you're seeing much uh, more narrow booms, maybe 60%, 70% of the wingspan. It's out of that wingspan vortices and it's just pushing directly down into the crop. Uh, and you're also seeing um, the booms are dropped down now, maybe a meter or two outside of into more of a clean airflow that pushes it down away from the prop wash and so forth. So uh, it's pushing it down just from the air pressure from the wing and outside of any other air disturbances that the, that maybe the engine's creating. Well, Andrew, we talk about all the technological advancements, and I, I'm curious to ask about this. Are we seeing more maybe or any unmanned aircraft or drone technology come into spraying here across the country nowadays? It exists. Now we have, uh, we do industry surveys every year at the end of the season. We just did one. Um, and we did find that we do have a few members that are using uh, drones for, for application. It's still very small. They are, mm -hmm. they are small for, for the most part, you know, they, they, they're slow and small, but, you know, I think they have a, a niche. They can go to areas we wouldn't go to because they're, they're too maybe cramped with obstacles um, and an aircraft could get in there. Uh, but, you know, they're right now in terms of 
of treating the scope that we treat mm-hmm. 127 million acres, you know, out of 347 million acres. So almost a third of the cropland. And that doesn't include all the pasture land and range land and forestry. Um, you know, the fleet is just way too small and slow to come close to being able to treat that. I would say it's probably a quarter of 1% of the industry. Um, and that could change, you know, the th- technologies will change to and regulations uh, to allow them to probably treat more um, with larger aircraft. But uh, then they, they still would have to go through the same process we go through and the aircraft would have to be certified and maintained properly and, mm-hmm. and so forth. But, you know, it, it's it's uh, we're seeing, you know, some cars. Elon Musk will tell you that the Tesla's automated, right? And, sure. And yeah. Can drive without any uh, driver assistance. Uh, so you know, th- there's a lots of of technology. That's where we're kind of headed for automation. I mean, tractors and so forth. So, mm-hmm. Andrew, you mentioned uh, regulations and and things of that nature. Is there anything, uh, any issues that uh, the association is watching closely right now, or working on? Uh, you know, maybe with EPA or, or other things. Is there anything else or with the FAA, Any anything you guys are watching closely right now? Yes. Uh, you know, that's why we exist as the National Agricultural Aviation Association. We uh, we do policy advocacy, of course, uh, in, here in the Washington area. Um, you know, one of our big issues uh, has always been registering pesticides for regist- uh, for um aerial use. So, you know, the area, the pesticide process is basically a 15 year process. So every pesticide on the market has to be re-registered every 15 years and every 15 years it goes, has to go through scrutiny, whether it's, it's dietary safety or it's environmental safety, it's safety to water, it's safety to endangered species. So we work with the FAA, I'm sorry, the EPA, and the uh, the pesticide manufacturers to provide them data on you know what we're doing in terms of taking into account drift reduction technologies, everything I've kind of some of the things I've explained to you, mm-hmm. and to to really not be careful about getting overly conservative with models. With sometimes the uh, assumptions that are made using some of these models are really, really overestimate risk. So we have to provide EPA data that shows them, like our survey data, like how many acres a typical aircraft would treat per day. They might estimate far more acres, which because you're treating more acres, you're maybe an occupational worker is exposed to more pesticide. So their models mm-hmm. might be over, overly estimating risk. We're able to actually show them real data and say, no, that we don't have that capacity or that's not typical in our industry. It's much fewer acres that are being mixed loaded for that product and so forth. Um, so, you know, we have to, we work with the agencies to make sure products are registered and let them know about our technological advances and also let them know that Without aerial application and the judicious use of pesticides, we have to remember 
that there'd be far more land that would be used for farming. And that could take away endangered and threatened species habitat. It could take away carbon sequestering forests. It could take away water filtering wetlands. Um, and we also are a part of, we consider ourselves climate smart agriculture. We are, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're seeding cover crops. That's a huge issue now at the end of the season where we're putting out cover crops over the cash crop. And what that does, whether it's a, uh, some sort of rye grass or a radish, buckwheat, uh, clover, what it does is it, it continues to keep the soil aerated. Um, it conserves water in the soil. It, fertilizes the soil, but, and what do plants do? They suck carbon from the air. So it is a mm -hmm. carbon sequestering device. So we're actually, we consider ourselves really part of the solution and we need to make sure that the regulatory agencies take that into account. Well, Andrew, fantastic insights. Uh, before we uh, run out of time, before I let you go, any other final thoughts, uh, anything else you'd like to share here today, just about uh, what uh, the National Agricultural Aviation Association is uh, working on right now? Well, one other issue that I was going to mention quickly is, uh, you know, we uh, we see more and more obstacles, whether they are uh, like ground affixed obstacles, whether they're uh, turbine wind turbines, whether mm -hmm. they're the meteorological evaluation towers that that are measuring whether an area is um, able to have wind turbines communication towers now because world broadband you know is a big issue and you have the new infrastructure bill so you know we're working with the faa to to actually promulgate a rule that was passed in 2018 by congress to mark towers between 50 and 200 feet uh, because we do sadly have accidents in our industry uh, sometimes fatal co colliding with both towers and wires you know we like wires to be underground uh, and we'd like these towers to be marked and lit if possible and have a database so we know where they are uh, because we need to keep doing what we're doing for farmers like we have 101 years and we, you know, we need healthy pilots and safe pilots to do that. But because it's an important industry, like I said, pasture land, range land, 127 million acres of, of cropland out of 347 million acres. Plus we do firefighting and mm -hmm. mosquito and, 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 disease carrying pest eradication for the public health. So a lot of things that uh, you guys do, a lot of things you're working on. Folks can learn more online, agaviation.org. With that, Andrew Moore, CEO of the National Agricultural Aviation Association. Thanks for the time today. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again soon. My pleasure. Thank you so much.